Oscars checkpoint. And the Oscar goes to everything, everywhere, all at once. And we're back. Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. As we, I get, we're not at the finish line, even though the show's over. But uh, we're, we crossed one of the finish lines anyway for uh, the 2022 film year, our 2022-2023 Academy Awards review show. Is what you're listening to now. I am your co-host Mike One. This is co-host also Mike. Yeah, this is perhaps the most important Oscar race checkpoint of the Oscar races. <laughs> I would say Oscar race checkpoints, right? Me? <laughs> yeah, it's the oh, final thanks. checkpoint, at least for as far as this show goes, there, even though we have another show where we're going to follow up the show. There is no final checkpoint. We do a year-round Oscar show where we like do a fallout and then a fallout to the fallout. Then we do a box office special. Then we do a film festival special, 17 of those, and then mm-hmm. 14 of these. And then, yeah, I mean, we, we just keep doing and then this. And it's Oscar season man. again. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's Oscar season all the time. <laughs> Literally award season year-round. Why do we even say season? It's <laughs> uh, a good question. It's a good question. Uh, I don't have the answer for that. Uh, but if you saw, overall, a decent show. I, I thought, I mean, better than the last couple years we've had as far as the, the Oscars present television presentation goes. I had fun. You had fun. We're going to do the recap thing after we go through the tallies. I do want to thank everybody who got us here. So many great guests and collaborators. So many great listeners and audience interactions. Uh, I have to thank the Academy's crisis team. Uh, <laughs> Jenny, Jenny the donkey, uh, the champagne carpet. I have mm. to thank my dog, your dogs, uh, PJ Clark's. Yep. Ted Sarandos, A24, and you, Michael. I have to thank you. We made it. This is five years of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. We're here. Yeah, and true to the form of what you've said over the past years, that all could have been done in a scroll at the bottom of the screen and saved a lot of time. So, you know. You know that wasn't even the real donkey? I believe it. I believe it. There was like 17 EOs, so how many Jennies were there? Probably (laughs) four, at least. I think it was Vulture who was on top of that saying, that's not the real donkey from Banshees. Like, okay. (laughs) Who cares? Vulture. On the beat, baby. (laughs) Boots on the ground. Thank you very much. Uh, But we do got some tallies here, Mike. Obviously, three films took more than one Oscar on the night. The big winner, and you're going to talk about how big in a minute, was Everything Everywhere All at Once with seven. All Quiet on the Western Front with four. The Whale with two. That makes nine for A24, by the way. Yeah, otherwise seven features and three shorts each took home one apiece. Uh, the films that ended up empty-handed we will talk about later, but let's talk about the, the big reverberations of everything, everywhere, all at once, big night. Look, I think, obviously this is a subjective opinion, and but since I'm saying it, it's fact, this was the biggest win in Oscars history. I mean, this was the most winning movie in Oscars history. I don't want to hear about, like, Lord of the Rings sweeps. I don't want to hear about, like, uh, you know, Silence of the Lambs, Big Five. We've never had a movie win three acting categories before and Best Picture. And this movie not only did that, winning both supporting categories, lead actress and Best Picture, but it won director, screenplay, and editing on top of it. Like, what other aspects of a movie are there? Cinematography, I guess? Uh, you're getting us in trouble right off the top of the show. Good. You're gonna get in, get us in heat. In heat is a different way. Yeah, uh, that's of what the donkey that. was last night. Yeah. Anyway, you're right in the sense that I think we have power ranked the the categories as the acting and then the the composition categories being you know more important than the rest of this silly 
crafts and art. I'm not doing much better than you did out here. I'm, I'm screwing it up further. No, three films won 11 Oscars on the night. And of course, we love all 23. We've always said it. We They, they present all 23, unless the speeches are terrible, but do it. And we're glad they did it. No more golden hour. Good. Mm-hmm. But three Oscars have won 11 awards, and they were tech monsters. Ben-Hur, Titanic, The Return of the King there. Uh, we also had three films win all of the big five what people categorize as the big five picture director actor actress and a screenplay it happened one night one flew over the cuckoo's nest and the silence of the lambs we have always talked about when programming our show a big 10 or a big 12 and everything everywhere all at once took home seven of those 12 mike yeah huge i mean i I, again it, it did make history in that it's only the third film ever to win three acting academy awards and again no film has done that and best picture never mind and director and like you're right i'm i'm not meaning to discredit any text and and any below the line stuff and that's not my but it was nominated there too and it won a tech arguably the most difficult tech to win the one that's connected to right 74,000 oscar stats that were all broken last night or some uh, we'll find out if they were broken or not right before Oscar predictions are made next year. Right, right. Uh, but we do want to get into the studio tallies. We've got a few more tallies here. The quote-unquote studio tallies. A24 led with nine Oscars. Netflix won seven. Disney won two. Four other major studios took one apiece. And we'll get into which studios did got blanked later on, like we said. As for the great question... And this is the question. This is you the were, timeless. You were really pounding this drum last night on Twitter. <laughs> this is the ageless question. Yeah. This is the question that scholars, well, we're not scholars, but which. Technically I am, I think. <laughs> you, are, you actually might be. I'm not. Which Oscars precursor award show is the most predictive and therefore important? That's the question that was answered last night. Mm-hmm. BAFTA versus SAG. BAFTA versus Choice. BAFTA got their ass Whooped, good Mike. SAG <laughs> defeated BAFTA four acting categories to zero. If you add PGA, DGA, etc., all the Hollywood guilds to that BAFTA comparison, and I can even throw out all of the guilds that had put forward more than one category winner because they have various uh, various categories at their guild awards. BAFTA still gets killed ten correct predictions to three against those guilds and. It gets even worse because BAFTA lost 10 to 7 when compared to the Critics' Choice Awards. So BAFTA had a rough night. Do you honestly believe, though, that BAFTA is less predictive than all these other award shows? Or do you think it, do you think at the end of the day, BAFTA just had a bad year? Uh, both. <laughs> Can I say both? I do think both. I mean, we what we said when we were reviewing BAFTA, like once we got off our high horse about it, that BAFTA is going to BAFTA. And there are some years that BAFTA chooses to BAFTA harder than other BAFTA years. And this seemed to be one of them. A Banshees, mm-hmm. for whatever reason... You know, you can't, I don't know that it didn't resonate with the Academy because, you know, everything everywhere was just such a monster in most of those categories that Branches was in any, anyway. But it, it didn't do as well even at BAFTA that uh, we thought it might because All Quiet on the Western Front did better at BAFTA uh, than expected. And All Quiet did reasonably well uh, on, uh, on Oscar Sunday as well. So I don't know. I mean, as far as the acting categories and things of that ilk, yeah, I'm not surprised that BAFTA uh, got beat in terms of crossover this year 
BAFTA usually has the hammer in the award season going last, right up next to the Oscars, if not after the Oscars, uh, going way back. This year, it was SAG that probably helps. We, we've seen late momentum pushes take the day, and, and this seems to be a bit of a wave for everything everywhere, so it makes sense in that regard, too. Ultimately, I think one of the things I eventually want to do on the Winds of Winter website that we have coming is do like a crossover statistical analysis of these precursor shows so that everybody stops asking us this question. I don't like this question, and I will do the counting stats in order to never be an, be asked this question again. I can hear the grittiness in your voice when I even asked you of it after giving you the stats, and I don't blame you, my friend, because this is a stupid question. It depends. That's the answer, right? It just depends, always. Yeah, it's always in context. It depends on the year, and as far as <laughs> counting stats and uh, statistics go, we were bad in predicting our Oscars oh, uh, last night. You were 21 of 23 last year, and this year you got... I mean, you'd hit double digits. You were worried about not hitting double digits but you only got 14 so you suck i i got 12 I suck we suck we all suck I David went five for suck. five to start that was good <laughs> you tweeted that because start. you were being nice or maybe you knew what was coming and you were being mean i don't know but you tweeted that and i was like oh no because i knew we, i knew i was not doing well we jinx i jinxed us right there yeah no i i, I was gonna blame you I was going to incorporate you in my blame. It was our easily our worst year, and and we've done better every single year up till now. Like like you said, and and last year was awesome. I just didn't want to predict the what happened. Like I didn't want to go everything everywhere in all those categories. So I switched yeah. up this and that, thinking that there was no way that what happened on the Oscar stage was going to happen to the hot dog finger movie. I just didn't see it being that history making film, and I, eating my words. Mr. Rowe of In Session Film, he tweeted out something like, you know what, if my predictions are wrong this year, it's because I I went with my heart. And I was like, <laughs> I'm going to steal that tomorrow, my friend. <laughs> and I am right now. I predicted with my heart. That's why I, my brain didn't work. No, I, I hope, I don't know what he predicted, but I do know that uh, I sucked at this this year. I tried to warn you all, like, we don't structure our podcast. We never have on the predictions. Mm -hmm. We try to just do hundreds of fun and speculative conversations. I think that's, you know, in a podcast format, that's the better way of doing it. I think maybe if you're in a print version, it makes sense that you got to throw the predictions out there every week. But you guys don't want to listen to our blowhard predictions twice a week, every week. So maybe that's spoken like a true loser. And that's uh, <laughs> perhaps where I'm going with this. But. You guys be the judge and let us know how you think we program our podcast, but we've done better, and I'm sorry to all of you who are just wearing a barrel over their naked bodies today like a Depression-era cartoon character. They should have followed David Long, who was not only the man in the money with the Brendan Fraser uh, ticket punch that won him a, a, a nice chunk of change there, uh, but he also got the most right in our Oscars bets uh, episode there. He had 16 correct predictions, so uh, good for him. He's going to come up later in the show as well. Good for him. We're going to praise him later, but he won a pillow fight. This was a what I call a pillow. <laughs> this was not a major fight. This was not RRR. This was us at a slumber party. But yes, he, he congratulations, David. You beat us in a pillow fight. Uh, I will finish so the tallies. Bitter. That sounds so bitter. <laughs> oh, I'm bitter. I'm a competitive guy. I'm a competitive guy. And I sucked this year. Very, very good. Um, so did you. Anyway, our tally section will be complete as I rationalize why we sucked because... There were 10 betting favorites heavier than minus 200 last night. 
all 10 won the Oscars. And I'm taking these lines from a week out when we did our Mm -hmm. Oscar bets preview show. There were another nine betting favorites, you know, between minus 100 and, and minus 199, under 200 there. Only four of those nine won. And then there were the remaining four categories, Mike, where the shortest odds were even money or longer. And only one of those four categories went to the betting quote unquote favorite in that instance. So that's interesting. That's that's uh, nine categories that went to, uh, excuse me, eight categories that went to underdogs. So I have now confused the audience, and I need you to pull us back on track, please. Yeah, so eight gambling underdogs won this year. Compared, it's half as many won the year before. That's it's just good to know. It's interesting to to figure that out, and especially because we had so many wide open categories, you can kind of see where the trend goes. And I don't know, maybe it'll help someone win money next year. I'm sure it's something that we'll reference in the future. And uh, I know I didn't win money this year. David's always said it, the show me the money guys, and thanks to them for having us on the show. They've always said you got to bet early if you're if you're oh, going yeah. with the whims of the late money. That that's probably not going to work. We saw some late money pay off, in in the sense that Michelle Yeoh and Brendan Brendan Fraser's odds really shortened and yeah, got. Yeah, but they uh, were they, they were favorites who got even shorter, as opposed to like the Elvis cinematography had their odds cut in half, and it didn't do exactly. anything for them. So exactly. Anyway, a quick caveat here about the pre-show as we'll go into our recap stage of the program. I did not see any of our friends of the pod on their pre-shows. That's a me problem. I didn't, I didn't either. I didn't get the chance to to watch everything that I wanted to watch. I was I'll be honest with you, Mike. I was busy trying to be healthy last night. Like I worked out for 2 hours. Wow. I uh I took the dog on a long, happy, scenic walk, so my doggy was happy. Uh, I picked up a healthy dinner with of sushi, and I drank water. I didn't have you. an alcohol. I had a little coffee later on in the night. I, I don't know about you, but I was very, very healthy and balanced, and I, I'm curious how you approached last night, especially the pre-show. I had lasagna and slept. <laughs> <laughs> so one of us is chipper today if you <laughs> but well the other caveat obvious caveat here is you, you jokingly texted me in the pre-show what are you wearing and i'm like nike and, Han- and hanes yeah and we're uh, not fashionistas w- no we're not going to spend a lot of time on the red carpet i hated this year's red carpet i i did not like it at all Maybe. I didn't like the questions. I didn't like the the banter. I, I, I we got to do something more than asking all these uber famous people like shallow questions that nobody really cares about, including the people asking the questions. And it's a bummer too, because if you put people and we've put, we've seen our friends of the show on the red carpet before asking intuitive questions, and it, and it means a lot. Yeah, and I know Clayton more. did it, and like you said, I didn't see Clayton. I didn't see anyone that like we yeah. know or that we follow on these shows asking these questions. It was it was like you know, I mean, God love Ashley Graham. She is like you know a, 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 a literal model, and she's gorgeous. And a troglodyte like me isn't even fit to speak her name. <laughs> But we got to find something else for her to do. She should not be hosting the Oscars red carpet. Right. And and it's a bummer because we had a lot of first-time nominees having fun on the red carpet. Stephanie Hsu, Carrie Condon, Angel Bassett, Michelle Yeoh, Jamie Lee Curtis, Kate Blanchett, not a first-time nominee, but glowing in beautiful gowns and, and dresses. And, and and we had guys like The Rock and Jonathan Majors cutting a, a jib, I think. Is it a jib? 
Is did, that what did, you call a champagne colored carpet? I am not. <laughs> why did we go champagne colored carpet? I'll but tell you, I, am I not. asked Swell. I, I don't mean to, to cut you off, but I yeah. asked. I asked no, Swell. Please like, cut me off. Yeah. <laughs> I said, "What are the? What is your generation? What are the three things they're talking about?" And she said, "Why did they go champagne with the red carpet?" Was number three. <laughs> I, I like, gotta mm-hmm. admit that I like the red drapes or curtains or whatever the hell you called those. Yeah. But. I, I mean the red carpet. It's and called everybody was calling white. it the red is carpet. Is white supposed to go with champagne color? Like it felt like I was watching a wedding of a billion people. Yeah, it it was a bit weird. However, I don't know. I was chipper. I was hydrated. I was. I had good nutrition. I I, I was I was ready for the show to start, and I I thought they got off to a good start, Mike. I thought they did, too. I saw a lot of criticisms of Kimmel's uh, opening monologue, but we opened with a a montage, again, set to the Babylon score because it was the best (laughs) score of the year. Uh, And then Kimmel's in in the the backseat of the jet with Tom Cruise from the scene from Top Gun. He ejects himself, and he comes onto stage and cracks a couple jokes. I didn't really have any issues with anything he said. I, I saw a lot of criticism, like I said, about Kimmel, and nothing seemed to really resonate well or at least heartily with the audience until he went into his bit towards the end about the slap and about how he has people protecting him. If you want to get to him, you got to go through Adonis Creed and Spider-Man and and, uh, Guillermo. And then they showed Guillermo del Toro and he goes, no, 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 not that Guillermo, my Guillermo, which got a big laugh. This is why you have to kind of address the slap and you can't go above and beyond to make sure it's not mentioned or not alluded to at all. Like the slap is going to be the thing people want addressed. You have to take the air out of that balloon and air out of that room about it. Otherwise, it's just going to be lingering. I thought Kimmel did a good job about doing that. I think Kimmel alternated between some safe comedy and celebratory declarations. And we got some fun flourishes from the making of behind the scenes footage during the opening montage to the you know the the the, the happy you know cheer worthy moments of let's uh, let's address all the first time nominees let's address you know John Williams let's celebrate the John Williams and, joke was hilarious and he's working the room and he's making these polite jokes that really were not all that incisive like we've seen of course, the Ricky Gervaises of the world and and previous Oscar hosts, for that matter, go at some people and make some serious jokes. So I think there was there was definitely a sense that this was going to be broad comedy, and I, I'm fine that this one went down the middle. I'm fine that this one didn't have to necessarily take a million risks. And I agree with you. I think that you know that the, the the slap stuff was 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 low hanging fruit and of course you just go for it a little bit there but it, even that was fairly fairly benign in the sense that oh you got to go through Adonis Creed and Michelle Yeoh and Spider-Man and and Guillermo no not that Guillermo I mean that's that's a that's a fine joke and it works it's 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 cute well it's proof too I mean all these complaints that you can't joke about anything anymore you can joke about whatever you want you just have to have tact Right, you, know? you got to execute the joke. Right, but <laughs> you got to deliver it well. But yeah, this was crowd pleasing comedy, and he said he was going to work the room, and he worked the room. What, what helps here is that he made friends with the room during this monologue. I think where people realize that he wasn't going for the jugular, and then later they'll give him some polite applause when he says, you know, uh, TGI or CGI Fridays, you know, yeah, which is right. awful. <laughs> I mean, there was later on in the night, there was a skit. I don't know if we're going to get to it with the cocaine bear going up to Malala. I don't know what the hell happened there. Yeah, like, they, that, they had some they had some bungles. Awkward. Yeah, right. All right. Malala Maybe. Land. I chuckled at that, even though that's probably not a good joke. 
that's but, not a good joke yeah. either. Yeah, all the puns, all the dad jokes. Leave that to the critics' choice, please. <laughs> Gerard Carmichael will host next year. He'll tear everyone down. Don't worry from with it. I also appreciated that Kimmel went out of his way to highlight, you know, the woman king and till, which kind of, you know, spoke not only to, to the outrage that we saw on a daily basis there, but hopefully it, it eased the room a little bit with the tension having to do with those two films missing. I like the RRR dancers finishing it off there. That was good. I did read something this morning, though, that the RRR dancers weren't representative of South Asians, though. So that was like a jarring fact. I thought, yeah, I saw someone say that when RRR was being performed, it wasn't the, the people from the movie either. It, it wasn't. Well, Natu Natu was being performed, I mean. It wasn't. And I think they, in, in a sense, they had to get like the best dancers available ever. I don't know that the actors could have handled the, all those dance moves in a row. Like they pulled off all the the most difficult dance moves of that dance fight back to back to back to back with no edits. And and you know the, our two actors, Ram Charan and 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 Beam's character there. I mean both of them, NT, they were doing it, but there was a heavily edited sequence there for not to not to in the movie. So I'm guessing those guys. I mean. Uh, we would just fall down, you and me. We would just fall down immediately. We would do one kick, break a bone, and fall down. I have shattered two pieces. This is another. This is another thing we shouldn't critique because we're idiots. Uh, let's get into the show after the monologue finished. The Rock and Emily Blunt were out first. They did some shtick. Uh, animated feature first award of the night went to Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. That was a switch at the last second because we were supposed to start with supporting actress as far as we knew and as Clayton Davis showed us. And I guess they changed the uh, the order of the program at the like 11th hour right before showtime. It's strange how that happens. Like, do you think that's a misdirect for for on purpose? Do you think it's. You, you said it was something like maybe they're, they're trying to match up the ads with the wins. No, I don't think that's exa- – I, I, I said that as a response to Netflix being shown as the first commercial after Guillermo del Toro. I think they just I, – I mean, they're just trying to run a good show. That's my guess. I don't think they're caring about anything other than that. They're yeah, just trying to get what they think is the best. If you're trying to run a good show, wouldn't you have come up with the friggin' order like first and just say, like, that's what we're doing or – I don't know. It yep. makes no makes no sense. I'm just <laughs> I'm I'm wondering why they changed it last minute. If like you're that. not going to start with Kihei Kwan, I mean Guillermo del Toro's fine. Uh, maybe they they didn't know. I mean, you certainly knew who was winning animated feature more than you were sure who was winning supporting actress. So maybe they wanted to start with a sure thing. Who knows? Maybe they're finally just just step into those Price Waterhouse goons and they're <laughs> forcing them to open the envelopes before anybody else gets to see them. And that's what's going on behind the stage now. And, and then they then they can doctor it from there to make sure it's a good show. <laughs> Guillermo del Toro gave his speech, Animation Matters, it's time to take the next step. It's the same message he's been beautifully giving all throughout award season. Good for him for winning another Oscar there. The first three commercials... After we get all this hullabaloo and this press release about how ABC sold their all their advertising slots and it's $2 million for a 30-second slot for the Oscars and blah, blah, blah. The first three commercials we get are Netflix, Disney, and American Idol on ABC. Why? Mm-hmm. I mean, the NFL sells the Super Bowl. You have to buy the early slots in the Super Bowl so you're first seen. They don't have to run NFL commercials early on because none of the sponsors want to pay top dollar for those slots. 
That was a huge red flag for me. And then ABC shows this like preview for The Little Mermaid coming up in the Oscars show without previewing any other movie. That felt so dirty. I had issues with the way ABC, I mean, I thought the program itself was one of the best in years, the Oscars show, but the way ABC's like inserted themselves and Disney into the proceedings business-wise, I have an issue with. It's strange because this is such a promotional event, and yet when they promote the hell out of their biggest and best products, it does feel strange. It it does. It's just, I, there's no other way around it. Like this is a reality TV show of of we hope the highest order every year, and there's like this illusion that it isn't this promotional event. So my cynical brain, and somehow I'm more even more cynical than you on this, is that they own it they got to do their business no and they and they might as well they might as well push the little mermaid which you couldn't is find hopefully their one biggest. other movie to debut a trailer around too well it's weird because we've we've listened to interviews i believe award circuit talked to one of the producers i forget who and he's like why can't the oscars be like the super bowl and debut all the trailers they and- absolutely could and they should be but like do but that. This is not how. This is not how to <laughs> yeah, do it. Don't right? do just Disney's upcoming live action movie. Yeah, they and he was saying that we want to make it more equitable in the future, and we did see like Paramount Plus. We did see uh, as commercials. Couple, yeah, yeah, a couple other streamers or whatever movies, whatever. But it wasn't like it wasn't like the Super Bowl. Let's just put it that way. In Super Bowl first quarter, we had like eight major trailers debuting. Yeah, I, it was, I, I, I'm I'm cynical about it too. I agree. I, I was not a fan of the way ABC inserted themselves uh, and Disney overall inserted themselves into the Oscars tonight. Um, we move on, I guess. We had Avatar 2's The Way of Water Best Picture Package. They did a good job with these Best Picture Packages overall, I thought. They were, like, held to 20 to 30 seconds. They were all done pretty much right after we came back from a commercial break just to kind of get them out of the way, spread throughout the night. Didn't mind that at all. Troy Kotzer and Ariana DeBose, they were out. They presented supporting actor and supporting actress is the way it was told as the presenters came out, except they did, unlike the uh, Critics' Choice did, where they actually did present both categories together at once, they did spread them out. So it was supporting actor first, and of course that went to Kiwi Kwan. Huge standing ovation for a very emotional Kiwi Kwan. My mom is 84 years old, and she's at home watching. Mom, I just won an Oscar. Yeah, I mean, good luck beating that for moment of the night. Listen to the Awards Chatter podcast to hear this full story. I mean, his bio... It's just, uh, oh my God, I can't, I can't believe, I was tearing up listening to him on a podcast and, and everybody watching him up there on that stage, it, it really was a great way to start the show and I, I, I appreciate it. I mean, they had that going in, they made sure of it, they cornered the Price Waterhouse goons, who wins, we now, we now know it's, it's Mr. Kwan, so obviously they go this way, good job. <laughs> Boycott BAFTA forever. Should have been a sweep. Uh, Kotzer and DeBose stayed out there. They did present supporting actors. We had our first mini upset of the night, uh, and boy, did it upset Angela Bassett. Jamie Lee Curtis won supporting actress. Uh, She gives a great speech. I am hundreds of people. I am the Daniels, the entire crew. I'm Michelle. I'm Key. I'm Steph. We won an Oscar. We won an Oscar. She thanks her family. She thanks her team. We won an Oscar. We won an Oscar. We just won an Oscar, thanking all the fans. And then she finally goes into first person and almost breaks down talking about her mother and father, who were both, both nominated, looks to the heavens and said, I just won an Oscar. Tears in her eyes. Okay. A lot of criticism for Jamie Lee Curtis winning and beating out both Stephanie Hsu uh, and Angela Bassett. I get the criticism. Mm-hmm. Bassett and, I've said this all along, Bassett and Curtis have nearly an identical resume. I don't understand the, the, the anger at one towards the other 
unless you're just that big of an Angela Bassett fan. As far as Angela Bassett's reaction, she could be pissed. I have no problem with her being upset. I wanted Angela Bassett to win too. I even belligerently predicted her down the stretch because I don't like being good at Oscar pools, but also <laughs> because I, you know, I didn't know that they were going to go full sag here with uh, the Screen Actors Guild at it and and stay with Jamie Lee Curtis and and, and this this was a great speech, great, yeah, and we had we got several great speeches in a they row. They got we'll very lucky at the start of the show that there were like six speeches back to back to back that were awesome. And I challenge historians of the Oscars to find like better back-to-back yeah. examples. I would just I would just love to listen to him because I thought the repetition of the speech, the crescendo of it, she clearly practiced it. But when you execute it like that, it's another great acting performance. And and this was a cool win for us too. I mean, she thanked in a huge way. The biggest applause she got during the speech was thanking fans of genre yeah. cinema. MMO does Halloween, the Michael Myers series franchise rewatch. That was our part. And th- this was a cool win for us in that regard that being said we've also done an mcu rewatch and angela bassett we're big fans of hers Absolutely. so it, it was a tough it was a tough choice but the, the show's off to a hot start we got big moments back to back to back i i don't i don't begrudge angela and then people are throwing it in her face what happened to women supporting look let let angela she, she's, she's entitled to be upset of course. I mean, she came this far and got that close. I, I, I know I would be much more upset, personally. <laughs> like, I would not be a good sport. So never mind paying all the dues and, and being in the industry as long as Angela Bassett has and coming that close. Uh, she, Do you she, remember when Ben Stiller just mouthed the F word when he lost <laughs> one of those? I just, whenever I think of somebody losing on the thing, I just, one of the funniest moments in the history of award shows when he lost, he just really Who was loud. it that had the book at like the, the Golden Globes of the size? It's like how to lose with dignity. They were reading it as their nomination was. Uh... <laughs> yeah. I, look, I, I don't blame her either. I, I agree. But uh I don't know. I, it, it, it's a reality show. You're going to get real reactions, hopefully. And that yeah. was one. Cara Delevingne was out next. She introduced Sophia Carson and poor, poor Diane Warren. Performance of Tell It Like a Woman. <laughs> it was a great performance. It was very, like, a holy vibe. It was translucent, white light everywhere. A very sweet song that I've already forgotten the melody and words to. <laughs> Diane Warren could come out next year with a kazoo and bang some <laughs> pots and pans. <laughs> and she'll still get her 15th song nomination <laughs> performance uh but but no this this is a good song and and i enjoyed it during the clo- closing credits of tell it like a woman and it, you know it, it is a worthy song and uh, go figure but uh she's gotta win one at some point right never mind because like give give diane warren five uninterrupted uncensored minutes with a microphone <laughs> <laughs> she's a she's funny She's a funny human being. She, she that would be the best part of the show. I, I would guess. <laughs> you you think for evil reasons? I just think she she's as long as I'm entertained. I don't care what comes of it. <laughs> uh, we come back from commercial. We had the Tar Best Picture package. Jimmy Kimmel was seen again. So within the hour already, we've seen the host of this year's show more than we saw the three hosts of last year's right. Academy Awards. Kimmel was a recurring theme throughout the night. I think that's important when you have a host. Have them keep showing up. That's you know to let. Let people know that the host is there and to have him guide the show along. That's, you know, the point of a host. Uh, so good job by Jimmy Kimmel and the producers this year of inserting them. Uh, Amy Schumer, uh, Wanda Sykes, uh, uh, Regina uh, King. Who was it last year? Regina Hall. Regina Hall, yeah. Uh, they deserved better last year. They were not done right, well right. and not done right by the producer last year. I'm sorry. Um, Jimmy Kimmel comes back out. 
precluding the documentary feature category because that was the category last year where the slap happened. And again, Kimmel's making reference to it. And he goes, you know, hopefully this year's category goes off without a hitch or at least without hitch. Thought that was a good joke. I agree. There was a good Judd Hirsch joke before that about he's got to get home early. He's the oldest (laughs) acting category ever, so we'll do his category first. And yeah, this was a good hitch joke. Um, I don't know why it was a good hitch joke, but it just worked on me, I guess. (laughs) Riz Ahmed and Questlove were out to present documentary feature, and it does go to Navalny. Yes, Riz Ahmed gave Questlove some extra shine too in in the actual presentation after he was so rudely interrupted last Mm -hmm. year. Uh, for Summer of Soul and, and his win there. but the, So that was nice. And then, yeah, Navalny, uh, a very emotional, very intense thank you speech here from Daniel Rower and Yulia Navalny. Again, a powerful speech. Uh, Rower, thanks to everyone, especially Alexei Navalny, Yulia Navalny. My husband is in prison just for telling the truth, defending democracy. I'm dreaming of the day you will be free. It's interesting. I know the Academy turned down a request from Vladimir Zelensky, the president of the Ukraine, because, uh, well, they didn't give a reason. They just turned down a request from him to appear in a video package and give his remarks. So I wonder how Janet Yang and Bill Kramer felt about this issue coming up organically anyway. But nonetheless, it was a, another great speech. Yeah, it, uh, we're, we're on a roll right now with the good speeches. I would agree with you, though. They did clearly avoid politics with this show. But they didn't. I, yeah, but they did. They they took like they tried they, to, but the the winners of course put it in. But they avoided it at least in terms of the 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 mouthpiece of the host. They avoided it uh, for the most part, and I think that was deliberate. Let let's not let them slide for that, Mike, because you know we've been praiseworthy of them in the past. No, I mean we we don't care about politics on the show, even though some people get frustrated with that. And I and I I can get it, obviously, but it's. They're, they're pretty important, these politics, no? I mean, according to us. I begrudged them saying that they were keeping it politically clean, but good for the uh, the, the acceptors for not doing that, not standing by that and inserting the messages yeah. that we think. I, I'm sorry. That's what that's what should be said. Uh, I know we're biased on that, but I guess history will tell. Anyway. Oh, we're biased. Yeah. Riz Ahmed and Questlove stay out. They presented live action short. That went to an Irish goodbye. Yeah, I'm biased for this short film here <laughs> as well. Uh, An Irish Goodbye might be the best brothers story I've seen in a while. It's sad. It's funny. Uh, in my opinion, it's the best of a very strong category. So I was thrilled to see An Irish Goodbye. Make sure you guys, make sure you guys seek this one out because it's it's worth watching. James was out there and having the time of his life out in Hollywood wearing a leopard print jacket. Uh, <laughs> The guys behind <laughs> Irish Goodbye got the entire A-list Academy to sing Happy Birthday to him. What a moment! Awesome, awesome. Yeah. Happy Birthday, James. Absolutely. This is when we did have Holly Bailey and Melissa McCarthy. They came out presenting a preview of The Little Mermaid. I thought the trailer looked great. I love Harvey R. Bardem as King Triton. McCarthy looked great as Ursula. I thought it looked worlds better than Aladdin's first look came off as a couple of years ago. And Aladdin, as we know, went on to make Buku bucks at the box office. So. This I'm, I'm I haven't done my box office study yet, but this movie is probably my number one contender for biggest box office of the year. I no, mean, I got to look at the you. MCU's, yeah. but so I, I, I and on one hand, on the one hand, I can't necessarily blame Disney for wanting to push their their best box office future champion, but it, it, I, I do get a little. There's so many myself. arguments against it that, like, one, do you need it? Does it matter that this was shown during the Oscars? It just it, comes off. It looks so poor that it's the only movie that was previewed. I don't know. 
if they just had it play during a commercial right. break, just do that. Don't tie it exactly. in. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I think that's where we land. Just don't be so obvious about marketing yourselves. Don't take up a spot have on the Oscars, or if you do, taste. make sure you have a second. Like, <laughs> Vin Diesel was busy last night. He couldn't do a spot for Fast 10. Right. Just no, to but even maintain, things out. <laughs> maintain the illusion that right. this is not exactly. such a blatant promotional stunt. Bread and circuses, baby. <laughs> All Quiet on the Western Front had their best picture package back from commercial break, and then Michael B. Jordan and Jonathan Majors, who just were dripping of sexiness. My TV started smoking and steaming. They were out to present cinematography. That went to All Quiet on the Western Front. This began All Quiet's kind of portion of the evening because they went on a bit of a run, winning a couple categories in a row and a couple upsets as well. Uh, before the award was given out, Michael B. Jordan gets to the mic. He says, hey, Auntie, we love you, to Angela Bassett. That was awesome. Yeah, this show is flowing at this point, mm-hmm. uh, even despite uh, some blatant commercialism. I, I I love that they did this historical educational reference to the cinematography of the past. Spike Lee's dolly shot from Malcolm X, uh, then Orson Welles' camera his actual camera that he used back in the day and then they showed how they lowered the floor to get the low angle shot i mean maybe just create a i don't know a tripod that could lower but a fine he he, orson wells took out the floor many people have done this and it looked great it looked great and they even got like the what do they call it the iris around the uh the the edges of the frame at least on my tv so i i just loved the presentation of it and uh yeah the, the guy who won? James uh, James Friend, I believe his name was. Mm-hmm. Really nice speech. And he, and he even uh, opened it up with, like, it's not my birthday after yeah. the James, but it feels like it after the James birthday song. Uh, that's, a, that's a cute way to start it. And he, was, he, he gave a nice speech again. We're, in a, we're on a roll of good speeches. I really appreciated the presentation of every unique and individual award. Uh, not only with the package for cinematography, costume design, they had like the actual costumes from these movies up on mannequins yeah. in the background. Every time there was an award, they actually felt like its own award because of what was going on in the green screen in the background or stuff they brought on stage in the background. It was really, really cool. It really felt something like something that was unique to this year's Oscars, which I hope they do repeat again. Uh, it brought an appreciation for it. I agree. Kimmel had a sound joke later on. Yeah. That was fun, but it was, it was actually like educational too. So yeah. like all that stuff, all that stuff. I love it. I love the opening montage. Uh, I'm not as big of a fan of the Rolex commercials to Anthony Hopkins trying to sell watches <laughs> to movies, but all right, fine. I get it. But Well, if anyone otherwise... needs that commercial, that room does. They have the money for the Rolexes. I guess, I guess. Donnie Yen was out. He's a stunt coordinator, a famous one at that. He presented David Bernstein Lux and Stephanie Hsu to perform This Is A Life from Everything Everywhere All At Once. More like this is a very David Byrne-esque song, right? 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 <laughs> I'm worried for John Wick. He's got to go against Mr. Yen <laughs> in the next movie. But, my God, this was an awful, awful performance. Not like, Shu and Byrne are two of my favorites. Yeah. My recent favorites, Talking Heads, my always favorite. I uh, love uh, the mar- marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Stephanie Shu was my number one all year. But they threw the tempo uh, off. They, it was just too slow or something. I don't know. It was, I, not it was well terrible. either, yeah. Did they shorten every song, too? Maybe. They typically do that, don't they? I don't know. Maybe they do, and I'm just not remembering it. But I felt like every song was cut in half as well. Right. I, th- I think they do. All right. Well, yeah. They're reprisals. They they, they kind of have to We should listen to an Oscars cases. podcast that would know those types of things. 
we we know what we know <laughs> and we don't know what we don't know that is true that's accurate women talking's best picture package was presented after the next commercial uh then we have jennifer conley and samuel l jackson presenting hair and makeup that went to the whale which stunned me i thought i mean there was a lot of negative momentum going into oscar sunday towards the whale and again like the idea of it being fat phobic and how it misrepresented overweight people and how somebody who's so as in shape as brendan frazier is shouldn't have been prosthetic up they should have just gotten an overweight actor etc etc i started seeing more and more of that in the week leading up to oscar sunday so i felt pretty resolute in saying that elvis would win hair and makeup and that in that brendan frazier wouldn't win actor that's what i based my prediction on the opposite comes true. The whale wins for hair and makeup here, and that was kind of the first red flag that everyone went up and, oh, Austin Butler might be in trouble. Yeah, Elvis was doing very well in Las Vegas, heading into the day, as David Long was was talking about on our Oscars morning show via his message there, uh, and, and certainly with our predictions on the episode that we recorded together. And look, we, we said the whale going head-to-head against uh, Elvis at the Muaz. That was a telling victory at the time. I wish we listened to ourselves in that sense. It was such a niche category, though. It was just the prosthetic category, so of course right. the whale should have won. You know, Jazz jazz had a lot of high praise for, for the whale and Elvis. She was on the Elvis train, though, as well. But when we think about the, the incredible achievement of the 3D-printed Mm-hmm. Every single day of the forty-five day shoot, because they couldn't recycle, you know, the, they couldn't recycle the suit. Suit, mm-hmm. my God! And then the five big gas station-sized bags of ice that they used to keep Brendan Fraser from overheating each day, like the guy in Babylon and that uh, box hot box. So, I mean, good God, man! I mean, this is a worthy win in a loaded category, but it was a loaded category for all those reasons. We loved it this year. We talked to Jazz for about. For, 10 minutes mm. on, on makeup and hair? Yeah, I mean, this is a category we love to cover. Uh, we, we cover it the year-round. I think it's a fun category because there's more variation in, in how the Muaz pick a couple. There's not a lot of precursors earlier in the season, so we're flying a little blind. It's kind of like sound and cinematography where things can move in different directions, and, and that's what we got here. We got some late movement, and, uh, yeah, the whale. I mean, but then again, the whale, I think, was an initial critic's pick. In many sense, in many a sense, so not a critic's choice pick, but yeah, the makeup and hair category seems to be a precursor for what's going to happen with actor. I mean, there's rarely do you get, and you said it's happened seven only seven times since 1990. Uh, guess what, my friend? Because it is half the time, so you're screwed, just like every precursor. Oh, is it exactly half? Oscars crossover. I mean, look at it. it's it's seven times if you count uh, what I wrote there where the Mua winner did not win an acting category when they had a, a, a representative in, in one of the acting categories, an obvious one tied the to Mua the Mua category, not the Mua guild, right? Correct. Okay. The Mua Oscars category. Right. And then there are another eight times, so eight to seven, so it's almost 50%, but another eight times when they, they line up, they win both. So this is since 1990. So I, I, found 15 times where the two categories intertwined and, and this talking is about the stats. makeup and hair category and having a leading or an acting category yeah. reliant on it as well in the crossover there as well doesn't help us to, but yeah the stats okay. don't help good us. perfect uh, moving on marco robbie and morgan freeman <laughs> they were out they they were out specifically just to celebrate 100 years of warner brothers nice idea 
kind of unique for the Oscars to do this. Weird that it only happened one. Like the, the two things that happened that were like special entertainment sections that don't happen on every Academy Awards was a trailer debut in The Little Mermaid and then randomly celebrating a hundred years of Warner Brothers, which was fun. They had a montage around the WB Water Tower of WB movies over the years and from the WB lot. But how this didn't end with the camera zooming out and it all being a gleam in the eye of a smiling David Zaslav as he sits across the desk from another cast of the next film he's gutting is beyond me. (laughs) Yeah, we've had some heat for Warner Brothers. We do a lot of industry episodes too, folks. And we've had some heat for Warner Brothers over the course of the year. They they had a rough night, so I'm glad they had this moment here. I'm glad Navalny got the win. That was a worthy win, in my opinion. Elvis got blanked, though. The Batman got blanked. Empire of Light was 0 for 1. They weren't the only studio to have a rough night. Obviously, Universal Focus Features, both the Fablemans and Tar went Ophers. And uh, you're going to talk about the biggest goose egg on the night, Michael, that came from the next, next you know Best Picture trailer package there. Before we get to that, what do you think the odds would have been to, to if you could have bet on Elvis going home with no Oscars? Uh, parlay that would, I mean, make it, me flush with Guinness. It's got to be plus five hundred. TJ right? Clark's for a year, yeah, right. I mean, Elvis goes. I thought it was gonna. We were talking in the preview show. Oh, maybe five. I picked it to win four. <laughs> Zero. Well, Good God. That, how much do you? put stock into what we talked about in the pre pre show and our bets. We suck this year. Well, we I'm suck. just saying you would think you'd hit one. We do <laughs> this once we do this once a year. We're not we're not a, a practiced prediction podcast. We You're so full it. of it right now because when we do well, it's all we talk about and you know that. We're sometimes You're downplaying we're, our defeats, which I, I commend you for, but it's what you're doing. Well here's what's weird about what we do. When we begin the year, we're always 100% accurate. Right, right. The year just always. wears us down is what you're saying. Don't, don't ch- go back and check anybody, mm-hmm. but I'm absolutely sure. Which we we're will always- have soon as well. We will have another 100% accurate way too early Oscars prediction episode. Right. So what time. happens? What goes wrong throughout the year? That it's everybody else's forget. fault is what it is. They wear us down. We're right. And they I just agree. get it more wrong. Can you come back to my setup? Uh, the, who had the biggest 0-4 on the night? It was Banshees of Inishir, and they were out there. They gave their best picture package. This is when, again, coming back from commercial, Jimmy Kimmel does bring out the fraudulent donkey onto the stage as well, as Vulture pointed out to us. I'm glad Banshees had a nice moment with Jenny, or whatever. Fake oh, Jenny. Fenny. Fenny. <laughs> Colin Farrell was also kind of funny when when Jimmy did the audience Q&A in a few minutes. But yeah, Banshees went 0 for 9. Uh, I guess uh, that'll happen when another film has a historic night, another studio has a historic night. And uh, (laughs) yeah, I guess we got to, in all seriousness, we got to monitor what Zaslav is doing at the Oscars and with his campaigns in the future because you know how much they're trying to cut costs. I, I can't help but ask, did he cut costs here? Or maybe he's got to go full Andrea Riseborough team. Maybe Mary McCormick is in charge of WB's. Like we've said for <laughs> years, she's section. the linchpin to all the Oscars campaigning. That's that's uh, something we've repeated now. Uh, yeah, Courtney well, Cox. Look, WB didn't have a lot of. I mean, Zaslav must have been thrilled that the Oscars did this free advertising for him for WB's 100th anniversary because they did not. I, I didn't see a lot of WB uh, ads going on. Isn't it Disney's 100th? 
and Disney didn't do anything to celebrate the 100th other than the commercial. So maybe that's no what, person is as important as profits, Michael. We learned that last night. Maybe that's what Disney was doing. They profits gave other people. studios, yeah, we'll they gave other that. studios the shine. Yeah. All right, all right. Paul Dano and Julia Louis Dreyfus were out next. They present costume design. Bit of an upset, Ruthie Carter, and that's when you knew, uh, okay, Elvis is really not going to have a good night here. Right, uh, and I'm happy to be wrong Same. about my prediction. And uh, I could have sworn sa- you predicted Ruthie Carter. Well, I've been saying she's the best, but I didn't think she'd actually win because what I think is the best is usually an Oscars loser. And yet her <laughs> costumes, the striking costumes of Queen Ramunda and, and Taylo Khan and, and multiple civilizations, awesome. even though they're fantastical, but they're seeped in real history, as we know from uh, the making of featurettes. So hell yeah, this was a great job. And these are the best costumes of the year we were banging the table for it and that's what i try to do with you i try to mind screw you to the point where you think i predicted things even when i didn't well it worked this time because i was giving you credit on twitter but uh, i was wrong and that's what i get for trying to be nice to you this is ruth e's second oscar win she now has one each for every black panther movie she has worked on she is the first black woman to be a two-time oscar winner in any category only the fifth black person to achieve that feat joining denzel willie d burton russell williams ii and mahershala ali great another great speech yeah and another great win and this was 90 minutes into the broadcast through this next uh sequence here this next song performance where i was just on an absolute high of positivity and uh, it really was it really was perhaps the best opening first half well first third in this case it was the best pace first hour we, ever yeah. that i remember we, watching like even before mmo that i could ever remember watching yeah. an oscars broadcast that i was like wow it's nine o'clock already that's how i felt last night I, I was I did not get up almost till the the ten o'clock moment. Mm-hmm. Like I even sat down for another thirty minutes. I didn't pee. I didn't go get up and and eat a pizza. You know I've done all these things <laughs> a before. A pizza, a whole pizza, just folded in half like Green Book. <laughs> should call, should call that movie Pizza Book. Would have been better received by us, that's for sure. Uh, the presentation sure. of Natu Natu from RRR was out next. We, it was the first song ever from an Indian production to be nominated for an Oscar. There was singing, there was dancing, there was smiling, there was clapping. It felt like I was watching a wedding uh, in the best possible way. Great athletic dance moves one after another. I, I don't know the descent of the, of the actual dancers, right. and that, that would be a shame uh, if, if they were not of South Asian descent for such a landmark movie like RRR. But but look, you have to watch RRR on Netflix, people, especially all of the action people out there. The, the wildest action sequences of this or any year are in that film. It's a great buddy movie. There's an epic dance fight. We got to see some of the highlights in this performance. RRR was awesome. Go watch it. This has led to uh, the Jimmy Kimmel joke, the audio joke that Mike alluded to already. And he made one thing about Kimmel and the jokes he made. He continually and repeatedly was like, look, this is going to be a long presentation. It's going to be a long night. You people wanted this. It was almost antagonistic, which I appreciated. He's like, we heard the film community. You want us to present all 23, but we don't want to hear you about how long it's going to be. And so a joke, a follow-up joke he made here was the daylight savings joke. He said, don't worry, that hour you lost of sleep, we found it, and we're going to put it on the end of this broadcast. I I like that. That made me chuckle. And it actually segues perfectly into, you know, Having to let, yeah, having to let this lull about to happen. And I'll be honest with you, from 
Janet Yang, even though she did a great episode of Awards Chatter, Ava Longoria there doing their yep. due diligence and giving the speech about the Academy Museum, etc. I mean, I get it. It's got to happen. They got to they got to sell some merch. So we're going to do uh, this every year now at the Oscars. We're going to have a oh, different yeah. montage about the Academy Museum because this yes, is like our yes. second or third one in a row. Oh, we're doing it. Yeah, we're right. definitely doing it every single year. But this started like 40, 45 minutes of kind of the mid-show lull yeah. for sure. Salma Hayek and Antonio Banderas were out next to do international feature. Of course, that went to All Quiet on the Western Front. Uh, as the voiceover told us, it was the 12th nomination and third win for a German film in this category. Uh, eighth film to win international feature and beat Best Picture nominated in the same year. Berger talks about all the new friends he met on this movie, and they're all the tech designers. And then he told a, a very touching story of Florian Hoffmeister, who was tar cinematographer from the same town as Berger, of who Berger used to be an assistant of. They ended up having brunch together this week, and they had just held each other. It was a very cute story. You liked it. You didn't like it. No, he hugged a cinematographer <laughs> who's also German. Like, this was like the first moment of the night. All right, I'm turning heel. I'm turning heel. He hugged a German cinematographer, and during his Oscar speech, right. that's what he wanted to say. He told a little, you know, anecdote. <laughs> Like, my haze of enthusiasm is starting to slip. Well, this is where, I mean, the lull did happen, but I, I guess I waited one more category than you did for it to start, because I enjoyed that. But when we came back from commercial, he hugged a cinematographer. Uh, the Fableman's Best Picture package was presented, and then Jimmy Kimmel was back out asking the crowd how they're doing. And, he, and at this point in the show, you kind of miss the slapping, don't you? Again, listen, I, a lot of people didn't like Kimmel last night. I thought he was great. I thought that was a good way to, to keep me interested. Otherwise, I'm going down Twitter rabbit holes, and yeah. I appreciate them for that. I did not go down very many Twitter rabbit holes. Did you? Uh, no, I didn't. I was pretty pretty tuned in. Like, I wasn't for Avatar 2. Elizabeth Olsen <laughs> and Pedro Pascal presented a documentary short. The Elephant Whisperers won that. Another nice speech. I don't know how someone... I mean, the, the woman who... I forget her name. I, please, my apologies, but I didn't write it down. But the woman who read her speech for this, for the Elephant Whisperers, read it directly off a sheet of paper. And for somebody who's not used to standing in front of, like, you know, the mega, mega stars of Hollywood, I would not be able to read coherently from a piece of paper. I give her all the credit in the world. My eyes would be darting all over like I'm a coke addict. Yeah, we would suck at yeah. delivering these speeches. Uh, I think the Elephant Whisperers is my favorite of the doc shorts. Of course, I didn't pick my favorite. So I, I did the opposite of what I said earlier. I did not go with my heart because I picked Malala's Stranger at the Gate, even though I liked that short as well. But uh, I led you guys astray, or I led you astray. David David went with the Elephant Whisperers mm. and Thanks, beat us Dick. with the pillar. Yeah. Beat us with the pillow. But you're right. I, it was weird how they cut some... Like the Avatar people only got one presenter. The, there's a couple, you know, uh, uh, acceptance speeches that only got one acceptor and not presenter, acceptor. And this was one of them. And they cut her off. But she got some kind of like blatant uh, cheer from the crowd. Good. I didn't catch that, but I'm glad to hear. Yeah, it. I was watching, and for whatever reason, she started yelling it, and then the crowd, the crowd got into it. So she cool. still had a moment there. Good. Good. Glad to anyway. hear that. Olsen and Pascal stayed out. They presented animated short. That went to the boy, the mole, the fox, the horse, the tread, the dog, the just keep naming things. The what a beautiful, gorgeous, psychologically healthy animated short Should film. Should have been this my was. year of dicks. 
I, I it should have been. I hated every second of this <laughs> stupid fox and the hound bullshit. It was so dumb. I'm sorry, David. It meant a lot to David, which I'm, I'm crushing my man's soul here. But he's a, he's he, got money. He's fine. He's got money. You're right. You're right. So I can I can pound this stupid Apple TV short. By the way, Dave, we're waiting for our thirty 10%. minutes. Thirty minutes. Why is the mole with a boy? Why? As you try to hit David up, Mo- why is the mole with a boy? Mo- My year Mo- of Mo- dicks Mo- is a coherent story. It was it was hilarious. It was it, it was the best short film easily in this category. I don't know. It makes no sense. At least the the eventual. speech was had a chuckle in it. I know the protocol is to say thank you a lot, but I'm British, so it's more comfortable for me to say sorry. <laughs> I would agree. Those okay. guys, and, and the first guy delivered a really good speech, and then they allowed the second man to talk. Yeah, and and he delivered a nice little uh, funny. Uh, you know, talk, uh, chat about his village mm-hmm. at home or whatever yeah. he said. I like that. I like that speech. And there was no transition, no present presenter. We just kind of went to the side of the stage and going into the dark. Lady Gaga was seated there in jeans and a t-shirt, ready to perform "Hold My Hand." It was like a stripped-down acoustic version of it. Gaga was all natural. She was not booked to perform, and at least we didn't think she was until uh, Variety broke the story. I think it was Variety anyway broke the story early Sunday morning that she would be there. She, it looked like she really did just fit this into her busy schedule, but I saw a lot of people giving her a lot of shit for just being in jeans. Screw you. Lady Gaga chose to grace the Oscars with her presence <laughs> and perform. She can perform in whatever the hell she wants. She brought it home, and it was good. It was a little weird to do the costume change there. That's fine, because she shows up looking like she's straight out of Dune. Yes. You know, and and the best part is like she must have like managers or handlers, and they all have the same facial expression. I was laughing so hard when I saw some pictures of her entourage. They all looked like they were Dune. (laughs) They were were from Dune coming off one of those spacecrafts. It was wild, and and yeah, I mean she's in the middle of filming Joker too right now as Harley Quinn, so it made sense that she's a little intense. Yeah, I would say leave her be. Uh, also intense was the camera work and the direction during, look, there was issues with the camera all night. It went way too tight and way too close up a couple times, but during right. this Gaga segment, especially, I mean, Gaga is obviously very animate. It's not like we don't know how Lady Gaga performs, right? So the decision to have a super tight close up where she's going to be gyrating and gestating and moving out of frame. If you have a tight close up every Tuesday, it was horrible. I was having a headache following her. It, it was rough, and and it seemed like the performance was pulled together last minute, is yeah. what it seemed like. And it probably did. It probably was. You're right. Uh, back from commercial, Triangle of Sadness, which I had honestly forgotten was the Best Picture nominee, had its Best Picture nominee package. We then go to Hugh Grant and Andy McDowell. They presented production design in a bit of an upset. It's not Babylon, which led to a 15-minute blacking out of rage period for me but this went to all quiet on the western front highlight here was hugh grant saying we're actually here for two reasons the first of which is to tell you about the importance of a good moisturizer and he's been using one for 29 years i've never used one she's still stunning whereas i basically look like a scrotum (laughs) it was funny funny uh hugh grant uh presentation there you're gonna have to on the fallout show describe to me exactly why you were so convinced about the production design going to Babylon, Critics', Critics choice. choice stat. But why? Why were you so convinced? They don't get it wrong. I, I don't know. I yeah, mean, well, what, they, do you want me, what do you want me to That's well, it. Well, guess what? They just got it wrong. Yeah, but well, they I mean, shouldn't I just, have. How, this how long? Count. This doesn't count. This, the, the Academy <laughs> is wrong. They were wrong here, and they're wrong in the next the next uh, category. Okay, so they don't get it. Okay, they're wrong. Gotcha. All right, all right. I just had to ask. Anyway, Furious. Hugh Grant. 
terrible <laughs> champagne carpet interview. Yes. But a good presenter. <laughs> yes. Did you see his one-word answer? I, I saw a clip of it. I didn't see the whole thing, no. Onslaught was awful. It was the most cringeworthy thing I've ever seen in my, in my life. Good. Give him hell, too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, John Cho and Mindy Kaling, they did original score. This went to All Quiet, too. And I did not pay attention to the acceptance speech at all because I was just in a rage. I rewatched Babylon the night before the Oscars. And... I still had a couple issues with it, but sure. good God, man, the music. I was tapping my foot along with the whole thing. I watched that thing in one sitting. It is immensely rewatchable. Justin Hurwitz was robbed. I agree. I mean, and like I, I tweeted this, too, the All Quiet score is very good. It plays as we its own it. character. It's very good. That Babylon score is, like, historical. It's going to go, like, it will be remembered. The techno piano cool transitions i couldn't sing a note of the rest of the score i couldn't sing a note of the fableman score sorry john williams Mm -hmm. the greatest oscar nominee of all Mm -hmm. recorded history (laughs) (laughs) this pissant oscars podcast (laughs) has just besmirched the great name there and and no i just i don't remember the music as well from some of these movies you cannot forget justin hurwitz's voodoo mama song give me a break it's so good Bill Kramer video package reviewing the Governor's Awards and the SciTech Awards, other uh, Academy things that went on uh, throughout the year and events there. Uh, then we went to a commercial. We're back from commercial where we have an Elvis Best Picture package presented. Led to Elizabeth Banks presenting VFX. The cocaine bear was out for like a, as a bit with her. I, it, it didn't do anything for her. I, I, I and a lot of people thought the cocaine bear was going to be Matt Damon because of the way he interrupted Kimmel later on <laughs> in the bit. But it was it was they did nothing with it. But anyway, VFX went to Blue Man Group to Electric Blue <laughs> Uh That is a better joke than the jokes that were written. To, to head into the next seg- segment because CGI Fridays was awful. Yeah, the cocaine bear stuff was not great, and it didn't help that Elizabeth Banks had no voice. Yeah, yeah, that was that was kind of rude to put her on there with no voice. That was hard, but yeah, I mean, Kimmel gets up there and he starts asking viewer questions like this Q&A to the audience, and he starts with Malala, and he goes, your work on human rights is truly an inspiration. As the youngest Nobel Prize winner in history, I was wondering, do you think Harry Styles spit on Chris Pine? I spit my water out. (laughs) That was a really, because it was was meant to be like from some little kid at home. You know, asking Malala a question. And then she gave a funny she answer. Which is like perfectly. Yeah. I only good. talk about peace. That was so good. And, he, and then Kimmel had to ad-lib. He's like, Malala land. And I saw people getting upset about that. But, like, he, he was taken aback by how good her response was. And then the little repartee with the Banshees. And the, again, another funny long setup. Uh, what were you saying in that film? <laughs> it's the punchline. So this this is good. And, and of course, he had to do a couple of Matt Damon, you know. Matt Damon had to catch a couple of strays. I so that was so, funny. I saw so many people being like, oh, is that a new joke? Oh, Jimmy Kimmel's got a lot of new material. Guess what? <laughs> they have to also appease the people that are tuning in just for Jimmy Kimmel. And what's going to be tell you more that you're at home with Jimmy Kimmel than the bit he's done every goddamn night for 20 years? Like, that right. wasn't for you. That was for people that like Jimmy Kimmel. I'm fine with it. It was a mostly good little sequence of uh, of bits there. And it's no Glenn Close, Lil Rel, DeButt 
sketch, but it, it it made me laugh. No, but it also, at least there was comedic skits throughout the night that set you up for that kind of interaction, as opposed to the skit with the butt, where that was just like oddly placed in the 1045 slot of, of, of an Oscars that was already running too long that year. That's right. Uh, Deny Guerra, right. thanks Chadwick Boseman, presented Rihanna for a performance of Lift Me Up, and what can you say? It was just breathtaking. Yeah, we, we get some good momentum coming back at this point, I would say. So we're in the home stretch now with the biggest awards after everything, everywhere, all at once is best picture package welcomes us back from commercial. And at this point you had tweeted out, are we worried about all quiet upsetting everything everywhere? Which was No, reason- I tweeted that out much earlier. You tweeted out when all quiet was winning those couple awards in a row, which was reasonable because it'd been a while since everything, everywhere had won anything and all quiet was on a bit of a run, except we, I mean, all quiet was about to win everything for the rest of the night. The tweet you're remembering here is the tweet that you sent, which basically closed the door yeah. on my question. I'm just asking a question. You should. I'm just, I should. There are I stupid guess I questions. Should. I should not do any of the tweeting. I'll leave that to you. <laughs> Otherwise, you have a selective memory for tweets. A lot of people liked the tweet at the time, and it, and it yeah. actually spurred some good conversation. Yeah. Well, um, it was foolhardy, though. Something yeah, because. For- Land of the blind, man with one eye, leading. Oh, my God. I can't win here. You crushed me on Twitter. All I wanted to do it was, was ask the question. That was a stupid to... question, and you should feel I... bad. I thought there's no such thing as stupid questions. Don't we tell all Fine, children? you're a stupid person then. There's <laughs> just stupid people. Oh, my God. Yeah, you no, crushed I, look, me. I tried to give you the benefit of the doubt here on the show. I wasn't no. going to go down. Uh, you know point. why I asked it? Because we spent years talking about Joaquin Phoenix's stupid Talk about stupid faces, <laughs> stupid constipated face, mm. you know, at the end of an Oscar screw up. You did not you did not have any doubts that there was going to be a toxic veto at the end of this episode after the BAFTA sweeper actually won a string of technical awards where they were not supposed to win, where they were nine to one in production design. You did not get a little worried there, my man. Zero. Point zero. <laughs> well, then you somehow flipped with me, and you got romantic, and I was cynical at this uh, during. This I texted episode. you. I was like, I believe I said, "What are you smoking?" When you tweeted that, that's I, I was not at all. I, I don't like, smoke anything. There was going to be five in a row that everything everywhere was favored to win, and then they won, and they were the biggest categories. I didn't even have a drop of alcohol. <laughs> All I wanted to do was prepare our audience <laughs> that maybe the academy you did the right thing. You did the right. Might thing. screw this up. You did the, the right night thing. Was going and you're taking well. shrapnel from me from just being a jerk. <laughs> the night was going swimmingly, <laughs> and we have drowned at the end of these I'm episodes. Just tired. Before. I'm just tired. <laughs> Florence Pugh and Andrew Garfield did present original screenplay and it did go to everything everywhere all at once. Uh, Daniel Shiner went up there. He listed a bunch of teachers that helped him and changed his life. He said mostly were public school teachers as well. I thought that was a nice uh, gesture there. Daniel Kwanman talked about how he never viewed himself as a storyteller, had self-esteem problems, thanking his mom, his wife, thanking Daniel Shiner. Really uh, touching speech and it would not be the last time we heard from the two of them. One of uh, one of three, so it makes sense that they were brief and and they they were banking on the fact that you were right and everything everywhere yeah. would go on its on its winning streak to finish the night. So that they 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 you know they they typically 
blow it out in the first speech. We've seen like Bong Joon-ho and other people mm-hmm. do that. They're not assuming they're going to win again, but these guys, no, they were confident. They got up there in and out and it was it was it was good. So that put the death knell into Banshee's night knowing that Banshee's would go home uh winless and then what I think officially put the death knell into All Quiet on the Western Front's night was uh Pew and Garfield standing out there presenting adapted screenplay not to All Quiet but Women Talking actually does end up pulling it out and pulling out this victory. Sarah Polly gets up there gives a speech uh, thanking the Academy for not being so afraid of the words women and talking being so close together. Uh, but yeah, you would think All Quiet needed that in order to pull off any Best Picture upset. Love the screenplay. I hope people watched Women Talking on Amazon Prime, and if not, make sure you guys watch it. And that'll be like six bucks for a while, so, so check that movie out. It's really strong. It's like the 12 Angry Men version of a, of a chamber piece, but uh, certainly with the opposite gender there based on a true story, which is terrifying and, and jarring, but it certainly is uh, one hell of an intense watch. So be ready, but uh, really good movie. So I'm glad she won and she should have won. We've been saying this for a while. I was worried that uh, all quiet would get some coattails, but she won. Top Gun Maverick uh, didn't have a great night awards-wise, but it does go home as an Oscar winner. We had its best picture package greeting us back from commercial. How do you do the coolest movie <laughs> since 1986 this way? Like, this is your terrible. Moment. No, it's terrible. It's terrible. Top Gun Maverick was the biggest movie of the year. I know Avatar made more money, but those are fictional dollars right then you talk about it it's yeah, monopoly that's true money. nobody it's actually real. saw that movie i agree nobody really did <laughs> top gun maverick played in the movie theaters for like eight months saving them one pair of a- aviators at a time and it was just it was just the best cinematic experience of my year it won my grades by like four or five points it was also mike's number one movie and i got i got jobbed no, it's, Top a, Gun it's still an Oscar winner. More. It's an Oscar winning movie. It won sound, which was good. But I mean, the production values of that movie are stupendous. <laughs> no, I mean, you can you can admit they're, that. They're good. they're good. Yes, they're very good. I don't know. What they're you want they're from as here. good as many a tech I have juggernaut. Reached, well, I'm mad I have at, reached my limit with you know what, complimenting though, that I, movie. I am. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. I, but I'm mad at All Quiet on the Western Front, I guess, in this regard, even though that's that's another great technical achievement. But Top Gun Maverick was better. But it was a fake war movie. They don't want to give a fake war movie the real thing. <laughs> it's also a movie where I think you know it might start World War III. I've, I've mentioned this mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. So Top Gun Maverick, maybe don't encourage it too much. I, I understand. <laughs> All right. I, I, I get it now. Uh, by the at. way, All Quiet's production design, win. I think it was 8-1 to one going into the Oscar Sunday. Uh, didn't yeah. win any precursors there. I think that was the longest shot that won. Yeah, it was. Um, it was. I said that like five minutes ago, but you ignored me. I was just hyper-focused on your <laughs> stupid, stupid tweet. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. You're, you're listening to the season, the series finale of MMO People. <laughs> started the, so positive. The best and final. <laughs> no. No. Like, we... we, we we got 17 episodes already written yeah. for the next two months. Yeah. You'll, you'll, oh, you'll, you'll like them. Oh, we God. promise. Yeah. Hopefully. Uh, I, <laughs> listen, I, there's no reason to mention this bit other than it was the hardest laugh I had all night because it was so out of left field. Jimmy Kimmel's back. He goes, now it's part of the interactive part of the show. Everyone get out your phone. You at home to get, <laughs> get out your phone. <laughs> if you think Rob, <laughs> I can't. 
can't even get through it. If you think Robert Blake should be part of this year's In Memoriam, text give me a Blake. I was dying. Yeah, <laughs> so random. <laughs> um, Kate Hudson. <laughs> Kate Hudson okay. and Janelle Monet. I got you. They presented best sound, and uh, the sound guys said thank you to the Academy. Yeah. The, t- the Top Gun sound guys did a nice job. One guy spoke for the group, and it, it worked out. Text, it was it was a worthy win. Give me a Blake. Yes, I'm good. All right, yes, Top Gun did win its Oscar there. Uh, so you don't go home empty-handed there, Mike. As the biggest fan of that movie, you, you get to mm-hmm. you get to tout it as an Oscar winner. Kate Hudson and Janelle Monae, they stayed out there, but they presented original song, Not To, Not To, from RRR, does win. Huge pop, big standing ovation and prolonged uh, uh, applause is the word I'm looking for there. M.M. Kiravani talked about listening to The Carpenters growing up, and then he started singing I'm On Top of the World with RRR lyrics inserted instead. I thought that was kind of cool. And thanking S.S. Roger Mooley. And and look, I will finally say this because I've been avoiding it. I've tried to be classy for once in my life. Mm -hmm. But I will finally say it. M.M. Kiravani has given what is perhaps the most boring set of acceptance speeches ever in the history of Oscar precursors. He was awful. He was not. He was. He was. He looked like a man delivering acceptance speeches while peeing his pants on national television would i be any better no of course not i'd probably pee slash poops and slash puke the full triangle of sadness on stage if it was it were me but god was he bad and then mm sings his speech this time and totally redeems himself out of the park Great job. This was his best speech. It was short. It was beautiful. He thanked everybody and he did it in song because he wrote a great song. Yeah. That's that's what you need to do, man. Great job. I'm with you. Good job, uh, M.M. Kiravani there. Another moment of the night, John Travolta came out to present the In Memoriam and in setting it up, uh, yeah. he starts getting choked up. And I was like, what's what's going on with Travolta? And uh, of course, I mean, he's he's paraphrasing Olivia Newton-John's song, who we lost this year, right. saying uh, the people we've lost have become dear friends who will al- who we will always remain hopelessly devoted to. Now, yeah. really, really cool. I mean, it was just touching and moving and, and everything. Uh, maybe Travolta redeems himself a little there. Maybe he'll be remembered for that at the Oscar stage, more so than with uh, how he mispronounces names every once in a while. <laughs> Adele Dazim. Yeah. Somebody should forgive him for that beard, though. I don't know. You didn't like it? Going to do that. I like the bald what? beard look on him. Uh, no? All right. Uh, Fair enough. I don't know. I mean, again, I'm not the fashionista. Hashtag not my Travolta is what you're saying. No, I'm I'm glad that he could still, you know, make my eyes well up when he's comically. He, he reminds me of the character. You remember in Fever Pitch when the dad dyes what his hair? What the hell are we doing here? The worst. <laughs> At least I came it up. I came up with the movie. Remember that stupid? I don't uh, think I've ever seen the full movie. To be honest, Jimmy Fallon movie. Yeah, I know it. Yeah. Drew Barrymore's dad was going through a midlife crisis, <laughs> and he dyed his his hair jet black, and the dog keeps barking at him. The family dog. I was one of the because the dog hates the hair dye so much. It was a funny joke. It like was that. a funny joke in like a bad that. movie. It was a funny joke in a bad movie. Yeah, I like that. That's, That's what a I good remember. Bit. 
right. Lenny Kravitz. Well, that wasn't my bit. <laughs> I'm sorry. He did well relaying it, I guess. Lenny Kravitz was there performing for the In Memoriam. Walter Mirisch, a former producer and former Academy president, got the hammer slot there. And I, I also appreciated... I didn't check this out, but they said for an even longer tribute of more people we've lost this year, uh, go to the Academy website. I like that. I mean, every oh, year we get people who are just like aghast with how could this person miss the in memoriam or that one. Hopefully they were all taken care of for the most part on the Academy website. I should have checked it out. I didn't. I didn't have time to, to be quite honest. But I right. like the idea of doing a longer in memoriam on the uh, on the Oscars website there. As for the presentation, they went classy and, and minimalist. Lenny Kravitz sang a really nice song, got into my head. I, I enjoyed the song. It, it worked. I like how they changed and alternated the focus from one half of the screen to the next. That gave everybody their individual moment, so it was certainly dignified. As for the noteworthy omissions, that does happen every mm-hmm. year, so I agree with you. Hopefully they fix that. Uh, Robert Blake, not in the in memoriam, for what it's worth, by the way. There, uh, Zol- yeah, but Charlie Dean, like that was I bad. Agree that I agree. I agree that was Kenzie. that was bad. That was bad. They should have. I mean, if you're going to have a best picture nominated movie, there, you have to include. I, I will. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. I meant to, and what I didn't we, write it down. Yeah. Should've what been. are we doing? Yep. Mm-hmm. Zoe Saldana and Sigourney Weaver were out next. They presented film editing that went to everything, everywhere, all at once as well. And that's, I mean, that was it. That you, you just knew this was something major was coming down here. We knew it. And I was wondering about the placement. They just did Top Gun a few minutes ago. Maybe Top Gun mm-hmm. had a had a puncher's chance there. But nope, everything everywhere takes it. And good God, we're going to have a big number of wins on the night. Idris Elba and Nicole Kidman followed that up. Best director, of course, went to the Daniels again. Shiner was up there thinking, Mommy's everywhere. Thanks his parents for supporting them and not squishing his creativity, including when he was dressing in drag, which is a threat to nobody, which got a big applause moment. And these guys, you know, they've been given these speeches every single weekend, it seems like forever. This is the most mm-hmm. awarded movie of the year. And, yeah, it's a bit of a frantic speech, but that that's who Daniel Kwan is. And, and, and he gets, I mean, that's who I am. I, I just uh, speak like Obama starting a press junket. Mm. Not that he would start a press junket, but remember how... Our, our president used to start uh, every press interview. He would just like, uh, 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 like and, thank you. Uh, thank you for being here. Yeah, yeah. That's me. And I don't know why I'm a podcaster, but I am. And I do that all the time. And <laughs> Daniel Kwan, you know, too, 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 too. I'm doing it again. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Under the same moon, people, people are people. You, all right. Uh, they, Daniel Kwan and Foghorn Leghorn. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Uh, I love his speeches, though. Me too. I mean, he, he, he had to deliver seventy-four of them. I know it cannot be. I always wonder that too. Like, do you get to the point? I'm sure the Oscars are, are are an exception because it is the pinnacle of this whole award season. But like, do you get to the point on the second to last award show where like you fly into the Baftas maybe, and you're just like, son of a bitch, I got to do this again, <laughs> again. And and what do you do? Do you do a greatest hits and think that it's going to play? like all the best moments of your previous speeches, or do you just take something that worked at at a, at a Guild Award Someone show? Someone should just get really meta with it and, and like be super positive on the first award, like on the Globes, but just get more and more worn down every time he has to give a speech. <laughs> like By the time he's at the Oscars, he's wearing like a half-torn tie, his button's on his shirt, and he's just openly smoking a cigarette into the microphone. <laughs> I would appreciate that bit. I, I know you love your uh, mm-hmm. your meta comedy that that 
it's just out of sheer audacity if somebody <laughs> were to try it attempt it yes it would still be really funny to you mm-hmm. and absolutely you're you you're an odd duck uh, I'm an easy man to please, Michael. <laughs> Kimmel had a couple of good bits in the interim there, but we'll move on. Jessica Chastain and Holly Berry presented lead actor, and uh, the, what was foreboding in hair and makeup does come true. Brendan Fraser wins the lead actor Oscar this year. He was, again, overwhelmed with emotion, trying to, to string together this speech. I think he might have lost himself a couple of points, but how could you not? Only whales can swim at the depth of the talent of Hong Chow. Uh, he could barely catch his breath throughout the entirety of it. It was just, it was really cool to see. I'm happy for Brendan Fraser. I'm happy for Darren Aronofsky. Uh, I, I hope uh, the former leadership of the HFPA goes to screw themselves. Uh, I'm happy for <laughs> yes. Scott Yeager and David Long. That was a nice hit, David. Sure was. This was a great showdown and lead actor this year between him, Austin Butler, Colin Farrell. Great category, yep. Uh, certainly, and we we liked all, we liked this category eight nine deep yeah. this year. So it was a really strong year and lead actor and 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 did Brandon Fraser wins with the narrative. It's tied to makeup and hairstyling. I'm glad they spread the love out. I'm glad they didn't do the BAFTA thing and just watch three movies and award three movies. They did more than that, so this is cool. I wonder. I mean, so what do you think happened there? Because I'm I'm chalking it up to it's the veterans winning over the newbies again. Jamie Lee Curtis won. Stephanie Hsu was never really in consideration for that movie. Uh, Brendan Fraser wins. Austin Butler, sorry, kid, you got to pay your dues. I think Brendan Fraser's performance is on the level. I think it's a worthy win. Sure. It's not like sure. it's not. But a so would Austin Butler's be. Yes. I, I'm Austin, saying more of a tiebreaker type question. The tiebreaker makes some sense. I wonder if we're going to look at this Austin Butler performance and put it up on the recent pedestals of like a Leonardo DiCaprio from what the Wolf of Wall Street. I mean, he had a couple there in Mm -hmm. a row where he was banging on the door before he actually won for the Revenant. Right. And are we going to put it up there? I don't know. I don't know if that's going to be one of those all-time misses how did it happen kind of misses i i would doubt it because i think brendan Fraser's performance is pretty darn good however austin butler was your one he was my one it was a tough t- tough call for us mm-hmm. anyway we we jinxed him bottom line sure did sure did so it's our fault he's gonna be fine right i mean i think him even whoever lost his category is not gonna have to worry about their career both he and frazier have taken monumental steps forward they're gonna be in everything from now on right anything they want to be in at least we're wondering about who the next movie star is yeah i'm thinking austin butler might have had that season good point he he might have had that season to the point where he's gonna have a couple building block pieces of his career to come with the dune sequel etc this guy might might launch yeah Good point. I co-signed there. Uh, Chastain and Barry stayed out as well, and they did give lead actress. It is not Kate Blanchett getting her third. It is Michelle Yeoh getting her first, and boy, was this Michelle Yeoh's moment. Big pop. Big standing ovation. For all the little boys and girls who look like me watching tonight, this is a beacon of hope and possibilities. This is proof. Dream big, and dreams do come true. And ladies, don't let anybody ever tell you that you are past your prime never give up thank you to the academy this is history in the making thank you wow Brought loved the house it down. loved it uh i thought uh i thought blanchett would win i did that kind of guessing that the baftas would have more of a say on what happened on the night 
and I'm really glad that we went with more of the of the SAG winners because Michelle Yeoh is going to be one of those all timer yeah heliocentric performances that we'll remember. I mean, this was this was another another close race, and I think it was a close race in terms of merit. And, and we talked about it on the Mike Mike and Oscars, and we we've been talking about it all along. So yeah, this was this was a great race, a lot of twists and turns. I, I you know the the one thing that sticks out to me is that Kate Blanchett did. Do you think she actually took the wind out of her sails a little bit? Yeah, I mean that's the question that's going to be asked, right? Did she do harm to herself with a Critics' Choice speech? I I don't know. I, I mean, is that a tiebreaker? Perhaps could be. I, I'm I'm sure she's thrilled for Michelle Yeoh. They're, they sure. seem like genuinely good friends and. Uh, yeah, I, I'm happy for Michelle. At, at this point, at this point, when you have two performances that are this good, you know, I mean, you and I, truthfully, said Kate Blanchett. That was our yep. pick, but that, that, and that would that would be our preference, to be honest with you here. But the, this this Michelle Yo win this. is going to go yeah, down. No way. This is going to go down in history, and we couldn't get all of the momentous wins on the night. Mandy Walker didn't win. We've had we've had some frustrating losses down the card especially in the past but this is a feel-good win as well that's what made the the season so fun right i mean the fact that best picture was such a foregone conclusion and yet we still had such a great entry going into the night because there was no there was no winner that we were like vehemently against like yeah frazier's worthy yeah butler's worthy yeah, yeah michelle yo's worthy yeah kate plant and they're all great performances they're all great seemingly great people and great people from everything you read and hear behind the scenes i mean it's people you want to root for yes jamie lee curtis is worthy stephanie shoes worthy angela bassett of course is worthy like it made these races fun up until the last second that's all you really want out of your oscars if you're not gonna have the return of the king type titan the movie that made a billion dollars and is also going to win 13 categories you know you want close races in the biggest categories and other than best picture with people that you can root for and other than the best picture that's what we got this year we do this show once a year there's only one oscars recap mm-hmm. show that we put out and we're usually pretty intense for most of it yeah where we're we're going at the academy and criticizing yeah we're criticizing the academy they made a lot of fun selections and and i i, I and they really... put forth a damn good show on top of it I really enjoyed it. I, I have to be honest. I really enjoyed it. I don't. I haven't read all the criticism out there. Maybe people will, you know, sway me a little bit. But I, I agree with what you said. This was a good show, and it had a big finish. There's a little bit, little bit of a lull in the middle, but uh, we we got great acceptance speeches by the Everything Everywhere crew as well here. And it's gonna be damn interesting to look at the ratings, because I mean, obviously, this movie was beloved. It did over $100 million at the box office, everything, everywhere. It won all the major categories that it was up for. Does that draw people in, hopefully? What are you expecting? What are you expecting? You're expecting tw- 20? Yeah. Okay. I'm expecting, I mean, you know, you can go 18 to 22 in there, but I'm like, I'm expecting about $20 million. Last year did 15.6. Right. I wonder what they're expecting. I, I, is What's a win? a good day? Yeah, I mean, I what, don't do you, know. what do you think a win is for them? Well, they they sold the ads they wanted to sell. That but was clear, they? right? Like that's that's know. part Maybe. that's part of my issue with ABC. Like, okay, tout that you sold the ads, but then the most exposed, expensive ad slots are filled with stuff that you have to put in. So you yeah. obviously didn't pay yourself. That means nobody bought those slots. Maybe we need a Fallout show. Maybe yeah. that's next. Yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> I don't know. It's I don't know either. You know what I do know? Harrison Ford. He's pretty good. 
at acting. He's great. <laughs> he's great on shrinking right now on Apple TV Plus, mm-hmm. by the way. Mm-hmm. Great show. He was out. He did present Best Picture. It does go to everything everywhere. And we got our big moment, the, the uh, reuniting of Indy and Round Eye there as uh, Kiwi Kwan was the first to the stage. Him and Harrison Ford give a big embrace. A lot of great pictures off that. But everything everywhere all at once, I mean, just keeps winning. Jonathan Wang, thanks his dad. No person more important than uh, he. <laughs> I read this, but he did say there's no person more important than profits. Which, for a Hollywood yeah. industry award show, is a hilarious Freudian slip. But you did not mean right. that message, obviously. He's saying no no profit is more important than any person, and no person is more important than anybody else, which was the message of his speech. Harrison Ford very slowly flubbed the line there, too, and we all give him a pass. We don't care. Yeah. We're going to all see Dial of Destiny, even though nobody wants to see it, right? No, I, no. Can we all admit to ourselves that zero people want to see <laughs> I, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, and we're all going to go see it, I, and we should. I don't know that I'm going to be able to, Mike. I really don't. No, that no, guy, no. He can, he can barely you, move right now. I agree. God I agree. bless He's, Harrison Ford. He doesn't need anything to prove anything to anyone, but like that guy's going to be like swinging through the jungle and like fighting guys on planes in the trailer there are a bunch of people sitting around a table they pull guns on him (laughs) he is able to duck faster than these guns drawn guns are able to shoot at him you know what they should do and this again goes back to my penchant for meta bits that are just funny to me they should have his stunt double be someone who is so glaringly unlike Harrison Ford, <laughs> like maybe long flowing blonde hair and like just, sure. you know, have that like and don't edit it out. Just show it that it's clearly somebody else. We're going to get CGI de-aging. I'm hoping that's most of his action scenes, but he's running and jumping around this stupid trailer and he can. He th- that man is 80 something. He yeah. can't move. No. Nobody. I don't know. We're, I don't know that I'm going to be able to stand it, to be honest with you. I mean, don't worth. We're 30-something. We could barely move. Right, exactly. I mean, God bless him. He doesn't need to do this anymore. Just let him be. I'm training like I'm, I'm in Rocky Six. Why can't right he be now. Sean Connery? Yeah. Right? Like, I, I, and I understand they were hopeful that Shia LaBeouf would be the new Indy with the last movie, and yeah. that went the way it did. But, like, is, have him be the, the, the teacher. Be the guy in the chair. Right. Right. Maybe they will. It doesn't look good, though. <laughs> Mangled. <laughs> Mangold is doing a old person hero story. Yeah, well, superhero. We're taking away from everything everywhere's big moment. I mean, that's the the obvious uh, the storyline falling out of this as we've talked about all episode long already. This was everything everywhere all at once is night. It was a dynamo and again we have a best picture winner that debuted in the springtime that bucked every trend and let it not be said now that you need to have this like certain release date in order to win certain categories. This thing won 3 of the 4 acting categories. It won director, one screenplay, it won picture, one editing. It did as well as any movie in the history of the Academy Awards could have done. And it was it released is, in what April? It is uh a late March. There you go. Uh premiere uh at at the movie theaters in limited release. It was at uh, March 12th. Right around this time, or right exactly this time, for the South by Southwest premiere at the festival, and that movie did about two months of buku bucks at the boutique box office, right, making something around fifty million, mm-hmm. and then it and then it kept getting re-released. It, it did well overseas. 
the mid-year report, the mid-year HCA awards, you know, it was a sweeper there. Next thing you know, everybody's calling it like this legitimate Oscars contender. And that just stayed, Michael. And this movie made another, whatever, 60-something million dollars at the box office. And you'll wonder, maybe for a Get Out, for an Everything Everywhere, for Silence of the Lambs, for that matter, if you do have genre cinema, maybe the box office is a prerequisite to that Oscars push it later in the year. It seems that way. It but still certainly seems that way lately. It's pretty cool because the people anointed Everything Everywhere their favorite film in a while based on how it did at the box office before the critics, before everybody else really got behind it. And usually this ecosystem, as Ann Thompson calls it, is very sequential where the critics nominate, mm-hmm. the they go to the film festivals and they put it forward. They are the gatekeepers, but no, the audience was the gatekeepers on this one. That's probably the coolest thing about this whole season. They they saw a movie that they loved, mm. that meant a lot to them. You know, we saw it, we loved it, we, we loved parts of it. We even we can't be considered gatekeepers in this extent. Like we love a lot about everything everywhere all at once. We both gave it very strong grades. We both picked out superlatives from the film but this is this even goes beyond our you know sure relatively old asses yeah where you know i was team top gun you were team tar and what else did you like you you like like two I was, well, or three I was, movies this year? i was team she said yeah which never she said good yeah. yeah i mean we we champion our films now and again and and that's but that's i mean something in, we're always gonna do in, but. A, in a first i mean mm-hmm. She said and everything everywhere were the, were the only two A minuses I gave this year. I gave them both 90-91s, A minuses. Oh, there you go. So it was my yeah. top rated movie of the year, at least tied for my top rated movie of the year and that actually ended up winning. So I'm you know, I'm I'm tickled pink. I did not think in a million years, and this is again why I changed my predictions. I would have yeah. never thought the this academy which is, you know, 4 years removed from Green Book would have given right. the hot dog finger movie with the lesbian romance and the butt stuff and the Rakuna Tuni, Rakuka Tuni. Well, I don't even know how to say that word. <laughs> Joe Butapaki. <Yeah. laughs> not, not, not the bad guy, but the raccoon who's doing Ratatouille. I know, I know, I know. It was a weird <laughs> movie. It was that's a weird gonna movie. win and sweep and do all like that's crazy. It was twenty minutes too long. There's no doubt Absolutely. about that for for us. We both admitted as much, but we both gave it high grades. And yeah, I, I would never think that this was going to be as formidable an Oscars contender, but I'm glad ultimately the people put it forward. And you know what? The Academy watched it and loved it too. This movie was a darling throughout the whole season to the point where as strong as we were on any other film, we were saying this was going to be the best picture front runner for a while. Ever since the Fablemans kind of fell off, we were saying this from the mid-year report up, up till now. We were saying it didn't like it's playing itself. Well, right. We were like, don't be the front runner yet. You don't want to you be were, the front runner yet. You were pushing me to put money on Top Gun. Yeah, 20 to 1, 15 to 1, 25 to 1. And I'm saying, no, I probably I probably should go with the 3 to 1, everything everywhere. But is that, I don't know, is that worth, it's not as fun to bet on 3 to 1. I wonder if we're in a new horizon here, too, with release schedules. In that, I mean, we've seen in the last couple of years, well, ever since coming out of the pandemic anyway, there is a thirst to get to the theater for quality programming. But like... You can make money in January 
It used to be dumpuary, but no, not anymore. Like you can make money in horror movies, especially in January. You can make money in February. You can win an Oscar. You can have a Best Picture Oscar winner in March. Like, is that going to resonate with studios? And obviously, this is A twenty four, which is a smaller. It's the best small studio, but it is a smaller yeah. studio. So they didn't have the money to finances to kind of compete with the big boys and just put this out and like can and then have a Thanksgiving release. They played South by Southwest first, and then they released it in April and the chips fell where they were. I wonder if major studios are going to start adjusting their releases off the back of this. I want to, I want to ask Eric Weber when we do our box office special, I want to ask uh, our guests that come on the show going forward, what the give and take is between the, the Oscars movie box office going down because the Oscars movies box office of the season, right? Like the Tars and the women talking and, and, and all those movies, the she says to the Babylons, those didn't make the profits profits of hundreds of millions of dollars, the multiples of 10 to 20 that you typically see from best picture nominations. We had some nice profits, some some solid ones. Obviously, we had the tent poles involved, and then we had Elvis and everything everywhere as a prerequisite, like we were saying. But the give and take with that is we had some openings in January and March and, and February, and we had some real hits. We had a couple of blockbusters like Ant Man and Creed Two, and now Scream, and th- those are performing extremely well. We had some cult classics like like Megan and Cocaine Bear, mm-hmm. and and those performed really well. We had you know older skewing titles like a man called Otto and 80 for Brady. We're off to a terrific start to this year in terms of the box office. So I agree with you, man. I mean, I think things are looking a little more optimistic than we've, you know, been able to say in a while. I think I'm pretty excited about our box office year. I'm looking at, I'm looking at every weekend of the movies and there's a, there's an event movie almost every single weekend. I'm looking at my AMC A-list, Michael, and I plead with you. I'm at the point where I don't understand why you won't get it. You're digging your heels well, in look, for no reason no, at this no, point. Look, the, the, the real answer is uh, laziness and fear of the unknown. But the answer I will always give you is that the more you push me to do it, the more resistant I will be to doing it, to, even if it's to my own detriment. Blatantly, I have to reserve, reverse psychologize. Yes. I think that's the word. Yeah. It's, we're late in this episode. Just like the Oscars <laughs> went late and Harrison Ford flubbed the line, here I am. And we, we need you to get on A-list because you will go and see all these movies once a week. You you keep watching these movies at home, and I that's give correct. you credit for that. Yep. But, like, you're paying double. That's correct. Triple. And don't you forget In some it. cases. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, this is the way the film year ends. 2022 is in the books, except it's not because we have more episodes coming. Uh, I, 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 I do need to to step away from the film year at some point in the very near future because I'm going to lose my mind. But we'll transition. That won't yeah. be it yet. It, it, the time is not yet. Uh, we do, as always, dear listener, want to know your thoughts, of course, what, what happened on the 95th Academy Awards stage. Were there any upsets that you were in favor of, any upsets that shocked you? Are you as angry about on Justin Hurwitz's behalf as Mike and I are? And what did you think of Everything Everywhere all at once? Did you think it would be that sweeper? Let us know all of that as well, as always. 
of any other comments, questions, or concerns you have about anything we do here in the MMO Empire, you can leave us those on our social medias. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram at MM and Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com and on Reddit. We are available wherever you do hear podcasts. If you listen to us on either the Apple Podcasts or Spotify app, if you appreciate what we do here, if you wouldn't mind leaving us a five-star review, those help us out immensely. Thank you to everyone who has done so thus far. Michael, tell the good people what is coming next. Let's have some year-ending words of wisdom from you. Well, the words of wisdom are simple and they're true. I want to thank our audience. Uh, We love you guys. We thank you. Uh, You mean the world to us. So we love interacting with you on social media and uh, we really appreciate it. What's coming next is our year in preview special after we do a 95th Oscars fallout show. So the year in preview series is usually something that you guys stay with us for. I mean, all because we get a lot of new people listening to this particular episode every year, which is awesome. And we kind of we kind of peak here, but people stay through the year in preview series because we're going to go studio by studio to preview the next year's Oscars slate. The pictures and the picks, yeah. Preview all the contenders. Uh, I think we, we've landed on a pretty cool way to do it the last few years with some specials. We'll do a gambling thing. We'll do a box office thing. We also we'll do... are eerily correct in random Oscar <laughs> predictions for random categories. That's true. So we'll remind you of those because now our pride is... I mean, we got a chip on our shoulder, but we're... we're we're not doing good psychologically in terms of our picks. My, my ego You went is, from is, is, 20 for 20 last year to not doing so well this year. <laughs> <laughs> not quite as good, which is a nice, nice way to Whereas put it. Whereas I'm just uh, thrilled I got best picture right for once. <laughs> we get Well, that's a trade-off. We got best picture dead, dead on. Right. <laughs> Everything else, though. Jesus. Anyway, year in preview series. We love it. We're talking about other potential rewatch series slash Watch for the first time series. Last year we did Easter Eggers. We're talking about a Mike, Mike, and Marty and Martin Scorsese. We're Is talking that what you about call Optimus Prime. We're talking about a Transformers. <laughs> we're watch. not. No, we're not doing a Transformers watch. Thank I just God. need to keep oh. needling you about it. Oh, it thank brings God. me joy. See, reverse psychology. The one time, people. <laughs> the true. one time I actually leaned in. I leaned in. You I, know what I it is? I need you to like keep resisting me, but like the one time you give in, if it's something I really don't want to do, I need to. No, 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 no. <laughs> you cannot go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> okay. I now I get it. Now I, I, I will. You I will need to be the pillar in the storm. <laughs> I will deal with you completely. Differently going forward here to forthwith uh, now because now I know now it's confirmed. But yes, we, we got a lot of a lot of stuff going on and, and we and we want to expand and and you guys are making all, all that possible. So we thank you again. Yes, absolutely. Uh, wise words indeed. Thank you so much for listening. We hope to keep giving you reasons to keep tuning in. Guys, like we say around here, when reality sucks, you can come watch movies, review the Oscars and hopefully have some laughs with us. We are Mike, Mike and Oscar trying to make a war season year round without the stuffiness we will see you all very soon see ya